Okay, listen. I just had the best interview with one of my childhood heroes. So just turn down your speakers just a smidge and you'll hear my reaction to one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Ah! (laughs) I am so sweaty! Yes, we got to speak with the composer behind Banjo-Kazooie and Goldeneye, Grant Kirkhope, about working at Rare and the newer projects like Ukulele. Also, Caitlin's covering some of Animal Crossing's Pocket Camp's updates, and Ray is reviewing Hand of Fate 2. Stay tuned for all that coming up right now. Hi, and welcome to Zed Games. Recorded live at 4 Z Studios in Brisbane. And broadcast nationally across the community radio network. Zed Games brings you the best in gaming news, reviews, community and culture from across Australia to around the world. Yeah, that's right. Hanging out on Zed Games. My name's Cringy and I'm in studio with Ray, Caitlin, Millie. Hello. There's just three people. I'm used to saying four people because we've had a lot of people in the studio lately. Oh, we have. What an experience. How's it it chatting with Grant Coco, matey? That good scream? Yeah. As you can tell by that that guttural noise (laughs) I made is that it it was one of the best things I've ever done. And he was so nice. He was such a sweetheart. My God. Like... Completely, like, like I can't. Like, it was, it was like I was watching a YouTube video of him having a casual interview. But then you were like, "Wait, that's yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one asking the questions. I'm the one asking I the have the power." <laughs> so that's going to be coming up later in the show. Um, Ray, how are you going? I'm good, thanks, Jack. Yeah, you haven't been on the show for a little bit. Yeah, thanks for welcoming me back. You are welcome to be welcomed back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> But it's already loose. You've been playing a little bit, a lot over the over the break. Yeah, part. yeah. Well, Hand of Fate Two is a game that uh, has come out quite a while ago, mm. uh, but has conspicuously not been reviewed on the program. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So we're going to fix that later. Yes. Yum. Getting very excited about that. And um, Caitlin, you're going to be chatting about Pocket Camp, Yee. but mostly the updates to Pocket Camp. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I imagine there are quite a lot of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those heaps. I haven't really jumped in since launch, but uh, before we get to mm. all of that, we got some heckin' news for you. Across Australian radio and across the world online. From 4 Z Studios in Brisbane, this is your weekly Zed Games news update. After the shaky launch of Fallout 76, fans have started firing off questions on Twitter about whether the game will go free-to-play in the near future. Bethesda has flat-out denied these rumours, dropping an atomic tweet stating that, quote, there is no truth to this rumour, end quote. While it seems a little quick to make the jump to -to free-to-play, it wouldn't be the first time. Elder Scrolls Online went free-to-play in 2015, after running for a year as a subscription service. Bungie has outlined plans for the future of Destiny, following their split from publisher Activision earlier this month. In a blog post on the game's website, franchise director Luke Smith confirmed that the majority of Bungie is committed to Destiny, and the future of the series is in their hands. As to what the rest of Bungie are working on? We'll have to wait and see what fate has in store. Bandai Namco have confirmed a new Dragon Ball Z action role-playing game is in the works. The new game's working title is Dragon Ball Game Project Z, and as its name suggests, details are sparser than Vegeta's hairline right now. Concrete info is expected at the Dragon Ball Fighter Z World Tour Finals later this month. We're gonna need a hyperbolic time chamber just to tide us over until release for this one. Just saying. And 2019 is already set to be one of the best years for local Australian gaming events. 
It all starts with Fortnite's biggest names slamming it out at the Australian Open on January 27th to raise a share of $100,000 for charity in the Australian Open Fortnite Summer Smash. Then, on February 9th, the Women's Community is holding its first meetup of 2019 in New South Wales. Women's is a community group which connects women in content creation and esports across Australia and New Zealand. That's all for now. For more gaming news updates, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as at ZGamesAU. One thing that we did miss was Global Game Jam, wasn't it? Yep. Oh. Yes. Talk a little bit about that, because that's kind of skipped over my radar, yeah, to be honest. It's coming up this weekend. Um, yeah, it's a worldwide thing, but mm. a bunch of people in Brisbane are getting together to uh, form their own teams. It's very exciting. That's typically like a 48-hour thing? I think so. Mm. Yeah, I've Ooh. never done it myself. Indies are like, down with yeah. crunch culture, and then let's make a game in 48 hours. Yeah. Got them. <laughs> no, don't do that. Uh, that was the Week in Gaming News. Uh, if you want more, absolutely check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at ZGamesAU, and we're on iTunes and Spotify as well. Um, Caitlin. Yes, You've been hello. playing a little bit of Pocket Camp. Oh, God. <laughs> or a lot of Pocket I Camp. Play, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, a little bit of uh, background for you guys. So when Pocket Camp came out, mm. um, it was in October 2017. I had a crippling addiction. I think a lot of us had a crippling addiction. It was kind of like uh, when Pokemon Go first came out. Yeah. Don't talk um, bad about Pokemon Go. I'm not no, going no. to. I love Pokemon Go when it first came out. I was one of the ones where it kind of died off a little bit, but we're not here to talk about Pokemon Go. Sorry, Millie. We'll revisit it some other time, dude. Um, yeah, so it came out. It was released in Australia first. Mm. Oh, um, true, yeah. Yeah, and everyone sort of jumped on, and it was it was pretty bare bones when it first came out, but because it was the first release of it, um, there was a lot to do at the time. So it's sort of been out for a while now, um, and there's been a truckload of updates yeah. since then. A truckload I play it pretty religiously. (laughs) (laughs) That's the word you want to go with, yeah. Yeah, so I commute to work, to and from work every day. Um, So for me, it's like something I can do when I'm on public transport on my way to work. Uh, It's something I like to do if I'm just unwinding in the evening and I'm like chilling on the couch with my partner. Um, I like to play a little bit of podcast. Um, and it just hit me the other week, like, there have been so many updates, and they have done so much to kind of, I guess, address retention, I think, is what I'm trying to get at. Because I think a lot of games, especially mobile games, struggle with um, audience retention. It's very easy to get bored of what you do. It's very easy to get sick of the... Monotonous little, monotonous little tasks that you do, like uh, getting fish for this one guy or, you know, collecting this or doing that. So Pocket Camp has kind of addressed that by introducing all of these new little things with their updates. So the first thing that they've sort of started doing is introducing all of these little seasonal events. So we've recently had Halloween. The Overwatch approach. Yes, <laughs> the Overwatch approach, but cuter. And Good. more fun. Wow. I am only. I don't play Overwatch, so, you know, I can make I my claim Overwatch and walk away so okay. not Cap- caring, but... Ca- capture the flag was... Oh, it wasn't bad, Nothing but- <laughs> is funner than Overwatch. <laughs> Nothing's funner than Overwatch? I don't yeah. know, Junkenstein, that's something, right? This yeah. week, Ray speaks about his crippling Overwatch addiction. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've already done that a few times on this show, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> 
I'm going to talk more about my cute animals. <laughs> now back to me. So anyway, so we've had like Halloween, Christmas, New Year's, all that sort of thing. Um, because it's seasonal and themed around like the Northern Hemisphere, it is like winter in the game at the moment. That's Cop so out. Cute. Australian. Yeah, but it's like, oh, now I'm in a winter wonderland and it's not 35 degrees like it is here in Brisbane. Oh, Yay! big mood. Big, I don't want to talk. If, look. Aircon is the only reason I'm alive, dude. Yes, same. Me too. All right. But basically, what they've got is they have regular little things like the little fishing competitions that you have in New Leaf, things like that. Good. They've got fishing competitions. They've got bug catching competitions. They've got little, okay, I don't know how to say this, gyrodite? Sure. Gyrodite? Those little guys, you know those little guys that no. pop up no. after it's been raining no. in New Leaf? No. They look oh, like those little, 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 little cactus sort of things. Aren't they just called, like, gyros? Yeah, they're called gyrodites in um, Pocket Camp. They're, they're really like, cute because they just go like yeah, this. Yeah, they look, yeah, she's wailing her arms around. We're on a non-visual This platform. is radio. <laughs> Get good. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Slammed. You're like, this is a not visual platform. You're flailing for no reason. But yeah, so they have all these little events that you can do. Each of these events earn you like stuff that you can use to decorate your camp or wear or put your little villages in. Also, it gets you leaf tickets. Oh, I love a leaf ticket. So leaf tickets are things that you can purchase, but you absolutely do not need to spend any money on this app because they have so many heckin' events. That they're just handing them out. you can just rake in the leaf tickets. And with those Literally, leaf tickets, you can access one of the other updates. I feel like I'm just like... Welcome to the, yeah, new, welcome. Uh, the, the Animal Crossing <laughs> infomercial. <laughs> so another thing that they've introduced is like a little gacha system. Oh, gacha, no. Gacha, gacha, no. gacha. But Fire Emblem already destroyed me, okay? <laughs> I don't need more gacha in my life, But Caitlin. it's cute. Gacha palm. What's, what's it's a gacha? Animal Crossing, so it's cute. It's like it's basically like a, <laughs> it's like a loot box. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty oh. much it's pretty much it's a, a loot box. box. So like, it's a loot box. Yeah, yeah, but it's like but they're adorable. Yeah, the they're adorable. They're like in like these little capsules. Little gacha fortune games. cookie. Yeah. Gacha games are just like built around a loot box as opposed to like Overwatch, where it's like here is the core gameplay, and then you uh. have loot boxes which are kind of peripheral to that. Mm. In Fire Emblem, I would argue a pretty decent chunk of like Fire Emblem um, Heroes, <laughs> the mobile one. That was absolutely a gacha game where oh, it's just yeah, like no roll the dice. What characters do you get? If you get anything but a five star, it's not good. Oh, everything is good in the pocket cam because but, it's a tour. But it's a gacha. Like No, so it's not is I mean it, not, it is, it is, but it isn't it's but heartbreaking. it is, but it isn't, it's, it is, but it isn't. <laughs> so what it is, it's like a little fortune cookie, right? So it's like a little fortune cookie mm. and it's themed around one of your little camp visitor friends. Okay? Oh. So they all are like themed. So there'll be one that's like modern and one that's like hip and one that's like I don't know. They have different things. All of your right? hipster friends are here. Yeah. And a fortune and, cookie. Yeah. Animal Crossing. I don't know. I'm not explaining this very well. But anyway, they come with like all these different things that you can get in them. Mm. And when you buy one of them, they cost leave tickets. When you buy one of them, <laughs> it's like a random what yeah, you get. Yeah, exactly. You can see like what you're going to wind up with. There's like a catalog of what it could be, mm. but it's going to be one of those things. Yeah. And there are better things, and there are less good things. Right, and when like you get a less good thing, it's absolutely thing. heartbreaking. Why did I even get out of bed this morning? Like, but, like, then you've got a whole... <gasps> Dude, gotcha, it's so real. You've got I a know, whole okay, horde of things <laughs> that, like, you can choose from. Some are, like, cuter than others. Mm. Some appeal to some people, some appeal to other people sort of thing. So if you don't like these ones, you don't have to buy those ones. 
right? But so buy like, them anyway because that's good. It's a gushy and some man. you're like, yeah. I love literally everything in this. Admittedly, <laughs> admittedly, my partner was starting to get back into it. She was like, Oh my god, there's all this Christmas stuff. It's really, really cute. Yeah, you can buy a set of like five, and then you get like five random things. Mm-hmm. And she literally got like five sleighs and she was so angry and she has not played the game since in protest. He, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> That's your every gotcha. You're game. talking about a lot of seasonal updates to the game. Yeah. Like, does, like, once you get through the content in those seasonal updates, yeah. is the gameplay, like, has, has the fundamental gameplay of Pocket Camp mm. changed to retain users or is it still uh, mostly so the same? So, it's still mostly the same okay. in that you are, like, there you have your little campsite which you can update and change yeah. um, and customize. People can come to your campsite and give you kudos, um, or they can you can like buy stuff from other people. You can update your little thing so that people can buy stuff from you. Yeah. You can go around and invite little animals to your campsite. Um, yeah, so it's pretty much fundamentally the same. Yeah. They've added more customization options Good. in that you can customize the campsite terrain. So, Ooh. oh, terrain, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So like the the background, the foreground all that sort of thing you can customise. I want a good vibes camp. <laughs> good vibes, exactly. They're constantly adding more furniture and stuff like that. Cool. They're constantly adding more clothing. They're so there's more and more adding, content. There's yeah, more and they're more adding more stuff. content yep. literally always. They're adding more like campers always. So you never feel like you sort of run out of things to do, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah. So my major issue, I feel like, with a lot of mobile games is that I run out of stuff to do. Yeah. I'm like, cool, mm-hmm. I've literally planted all the succulents. There's a view into my sad little life. That's fair. Look, that's mobile games. <laughs> I've read. done all the things, so I'm bored now and I don't want to play this anymore. But mm. with Pocket Camp, I can come back to it. And I know that even if I leave it alone for like a week or two, I can come back and there's going to be a new thing at some point. Yeah. So, and you don't have to partake in, like, all the events. Yeah. Because you're probably not going to be interested in all of them. But some of them you might be really into. And then you can. So, if you were kind of into the original premise of of Pocket Camp, Mm -hmm. there's enough seasonal updates to get you in for a little bit. But if you weren't super compelled by the original gameplay, Mm -hmm. it's still kind of a a a tough sell? I guess, yeah. I think... To be into Pocket Camp... Because you were really into the core gameplay. I was into the core gameplay. I am very much... I like Animal Crossing. Yeah. And I think you have to be into Animal Crossing at the start of it. Mm. Because Animal Crossing is one of those games... It's very much like a chill out, just like... You do pretty menial tasks. The long game. It's about the long game. Yeah. You You just make your village pretty... You make friends with all these little villagers. You plant flowers. It's very cute. It's very, very mild. So if that's what you like, you'll probably enjoy Pocket Camp. Now with Gutcha. Now with Gutcha, which you don't have to spend physical money on. That's a big plus. I really want to point that out because I am so opposed to spending physical money on a bloody mobile game. I mean, real talk also, Nintendo is sometimes quick to kind of close support on some of their games. Like, there was... Yep. Was it Miitomo? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Miitomo was closed because that was the mobile. It's like, it's like a Mii oh, channel, but yeah, on your yeah. phone. Yeah. And people were like, oh, dude, this is so much better than Facebook. I would absolutely jump ship to this. But, like, four people said that. Yeah. Um, and it just died. Yeah. Well, yeah, not to discredit those four people, but there were only four people. Right. Yeah. And it was it's so like, funny, though. I loved it. I do wonder as well, with the success that Pokemon Go and Pokemon Let's Go has had... Animal Crossing 
you know, they are sort of teasing Animal Crossing 2019 might be a thing. And I'm wondering if there's going to be a way to sort of link the Pocket Camp account with the Switch because they did it with game. Pokemon. Exactly. Yeah. And you're already, most players have linked their Nintendo account with their Pocket Camp account. That's something you can do. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm wondering if that's going to be a possibility. If that's going to be. And it already links in with Nintendo Network as well because you can yeah. get like the coins and Nint- yeah, my, exactly. my Nintendo program. Yeah. It gives you rewards if you do that. So, I would be really interested to see what the future holds. We're all so good and heckin' keen yeah. for. <laughs> More uh, little guys. Animal Crossing Switch. I feel so bad now because I've got New Leaf at home and I haven't touched it in like three months. Oh, I, I your bought, hair's going to be so messy. So I bought <laughs> New Leaf uh, secondhand when I was in Melbourne a few months ago for like 20 bucks because I was like, oh I need boy. to get into the second game. I haven't booted it yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely one of those games that you either feel like it or you don't. Yeah. If you don't feel like it, you're not going to touch it. Like, that's just the reality of it's it. It's such a cute game though it's and so I adorable. feel so bad because every time I go back, they're like, who are you? And I'm just like, sorry. <laughs> are they really good? Guilt trip you. Yeah, they're like, yeah. where have you they been? They guilt trip you so bad. They're like, oh, oh you I didn't even realize you still lived here. And it's like, oh, And you Jesus. come back and start okay, crying Kabuki. because you abandoned oh, your town. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you even, like rip out all the weeds and then Isabel chastises you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Isabel's here. By the way, they also have been slowly bringing all of the little external characters oh, into from Bucket the Camp? game. Yeah. Okay. So, like, the little captain, the little old turtle, oh, turtle whatever his name is, he shows up. Um, Digby's shown up. Um, yeah, they're all there. So that's also really cute if you're a New Leaf fan. Yeah, so I love it. <laughs> Pocket, uh, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp released a while ago. It is still mm-hmm. available for Android and iOS. Yes. And for the most part, you do not need to worry about real money transactions. No. Because there's so much. It just gives you so much free stuff. Yeah, they hand in those leave tickets out. Boy, oh boy. G'day, Melly. G'day. You spoke with your childhood hero the other day, didn't you? <laughs> I certainly did. How close can we get to Z the Games mics? ASMR edition. We're not getting any closer to these mics because you don't know where they've been. <laughs> <laughs> you just got way too serious there for a minute. Where did you put the mic? A hundred to zero back to a hundred. Ow. <laughs> so, Grant Cocope. Yeah. Who is he and why should we care? Uh, you should care because if you had an N64, he probably made your childhood. Oh. Because <laughs> legit, if you played Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, Goldeneye... <laughs> they're the main ones. There that, are other ones. The main ones that I played. They made my childhood. There are a lot from Rare. A lot from Rare. He was he was with the company for quite some quite time. a long time. He joined the company when I was born. I like to. I made him feel very old. Sorry, Grant. <laughs> you pointed that out. I did. <laughs> he absolutely ate it up. Uh, it was great. So awesome. we'll bring that one to you now. Please enjoy this chat with Grant Coco. First of all, it's an absolute honour to speak with you because when you started at Rare in 1995, I was born. So you literally made my childhood. <laughs> but like, it's an absolute honour, honestly, because like, I'm a little bit of a fangirl of yours. Well, I don't mind. That's all right. I'm glad somebody is. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it like to work at Rare back in the day? So it was amazing. You know, I kind of feel like it was like going to work at Disneyland. It felt, you know, to me, it felt so special. So I've been playing in bands on and off for like 11 years, really, from university to that point, till I was 33. So never had a job in my life. I just played in bands. That's what it is. Pub rock bands and stuff like that. So to end up actually at a company with a wage was pretty amazing all by itself. Never mind to actually do something that was good. Oh, wow. So my friend already worked there, Robin Beanland. We'd been friends for years and we'd played in rock bands together in Yorkshire. Um, and um, yeah, it's just like 
he gave me the idea to, to apply to, to the job there and then uh, I sent five cassette tapes off to Rare over the course of a year and never heard a thing and then out of the blue I got a letter saying please come for an interview it was, so, it was incredible when I got the job I was like I couldn't believe it so I was getting paid to write music I mean you know, I had no idea what I'd let myself in for but it was so special because Rare was really hitting the headlines just about that point when I joined you know the, the being you know very big as ultimate play the game and then they kind of quit that and become Rare and I've you know big big success on the NES, but they just I think I got there just as they were doing Donkey Kong Country two. So the Donkey Kong Country one had been a gigantic success, like you know ten million sales, and then Nintendo bought half the company or just under half the company. Super special to be there. I couldn't believe it. That's amazing. That sounds like a dream come true for me, honestly. Banjo Kazooie made my life back in the day. Um, how was the development process for that title? That was a little bit of a mishmash at the start because when I first joined the team. They were making a game called Dream, which was on the Super NES. Oh, yeah, Project Dream, yeah. That was kind of the start of it, and that was like a 2D sort of, you know, RPG sort of thing. It looked really cool, actually. It switched onto the N64. Tim Stamper and Greg Mayles, who were the... Tim Stamper was one of the guys that owned the company, and Greg was, like, his number two, if you like. So they allowed me to come along and, you know, work with Dave on Dream. We started working on Dream together. It was kind of a big open-world RPG, Zelda-like, I suppose, really. Uh, 3D, you know. It was, it was two and a half. Yeah, it wasn't quite D, it was two and a half D. Oh, yeah. That went for about a year, I think. Or for, or maybe a bit longer than that, actually. Uh, and I, I wrote like 107 pieces of music. For oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, like halfway, a little bit into that development, Dave left the club project to go and start working on uh, Diddy Kong Racing. Oh, yeah. It was called something like RC Pro-Am or something. It was called something that one of, one, of, one of Rare's old games from this from the Spectrum days was called Pro-Am or something like that. Mm. And so they were making it. It wasn't called Diddy Kong Racing at that time. Yeah. And so I was left behind to do Dream by myself. And then I remember Conker's, Conker's 12 Tales with them was in development then. Oh, uh, yeah, when it was uh, wholesome. Yeah, this kind of a very complicated floor system where you could stretch the floor to any shape, which made you could make a really elaborate environments. Wow. Um, it was lots of polygons, and the N64 couldn't run it. And so we had a lot of problems trying to get it to run. And Conquer had kind of gone for the Mario thing with big textures on the whole floor and all that kind of thing. So they had a really great Conquer demo. And I remember Tim Stamper uh, marched us all across to uh, the Conquer barn to say, look, you know, this is what they've got. And we were all, like, really depressed because Conquer looked fantastic and our game didn't. Yeah. And so we came back to uh, our block, and it was, then it was like, right, we're scrapping this RPG is going to be a platformer. I think originally Banjo was a rabbit, actually. He was a rabbit. Oh. Uh, at the wow. For a little while. And then Banjo turned into a bear, because Tim was very... We used to like to have animals for uh, the characters. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I was trying to think of a way for, for Banjo to fly, so they put a backpack on his back and wings to pop out, uh, just so he could fly. But you never saw Kazooie, and then it slowly evolved into Kazooie was in the backpack, and then it was a full-on platform, and then I had to start all over again. So... Uh, yeah, that's how it that's came, came, came into existence. Oh, wow. That's very complicated and absolutely amazing that you actually got there in the end. <laughs> I know. You wouldn't believe it, right? Benjo-Kazooie is known for some of its very, very iconic tunes. Um, what was the inspiration for some of them? Um, so I was conscious of not... Cause we were trying to beat Mario, right? Mario 64, that, that, was, that was our goal, to, at least to get close to that. Yeah. Uh, so I knew that I, I couldn't write music in that kind of poppy, jazzy Nintendo stuff. I just can't do it. And then it's no point me trying to do something like that to copy them. So I had to try and find my own little bit of style that I thought I could maybe make something decent out of it, you know, try my best. I hit upon that kind of umpar thing that it's, it's through the whole game, really, that kind of umpar. Yeah, umpa, definitely. Yeah. yeah, and like I kind of got that from, I was a big Danny Alphen fan at the time. 
and I, I really like Beetlejuice. Uh, I thought Beetlejuice had a great soundtrack. Yeah. And uh, there's an awful lot of dum 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 Beetlejuice, and I kind of thought, oh, I like that sound. It kind of got me thinking about that, and then I started thinking about the whole tritone thing. If you're not musical, you might not know what that means, but tritone is like you got there's a C and then another octave C, and the, the middle point between that is called the tritone. It's like it's a momentum. Oh. It sounds a bit weird. So I kind of thought, because Banjo and Kazoo were such opposite personalities, Banjo was a bit thick and dumb, and Kazoo was very wisecracking and sarcastic, that those two notes would represent the two characters because they were the furthest, the furthest, the furthest point apart in, in music. Yeah. So I started, I started umpiring the kind of tritone thing. In fact, you just, you just do that C major to F sharp major, C major to F sharp major, that's basically the Banjo sound. Yeah, I kind of hit on that idea. Uh, not really, you know, it's not like it's anything new. It was been done for hundreds of years before me. Mm. I just hit on it and thought that fits. And then when I came to things like uh, Mad Monster Mansion, I was trying to think of a way to, to have a dark harmony that was quite scary, but wasn't scary for kids to play. I didn't want to, I didn't want to find anybody. Yeah, yeah. So I realised from Beetlejuice again, because Beetlejuice has got that kind of darkness to it, but it's kind of got a jolly rhythm to it. So I realised if you can put a jolly rhythm with a dark set of chords, nobody gets scared. But it gives it that kind of darkness feel. Yeah. So, so for, for my Monster Mansion, I kind of hit up that kid. That so the whole game was really based around that kind of tritone umpire thing. I need to try to compose myself into a corner, some get work away from the keys and get into into the middle of nowhere, and then kind of work back to the home key again, just to make it. I don't know. I, and that's what I thought I was doing. I don't know if it came across, but that's what I, that's what I thought I was doing. You know, you never know if these things are going to work right. Like, I can't believe people are still talking about banjo twenty years later. I mean. I thought maybe 20 days later, it'd be gone, right, you know? Oh, wow. So it's a weird thing how it's kind of uh, stood the test of time. So it's very humbling for me to think that, I, you know, one of my, my very first game, really, the whole game to myself, uh, people still remember it. I can't believe it. Yeah, like, uh, definitely how you voiced that, um, how the music emphasises banjo and Kazooie's personality. I can definitely hear that now in my head, that that that's essentially what it epitomised perfectly. Like, well done there. <laughs> that's very clever. The things that you do that you don't know people, you don't know people are going to get it or not, you know. And I guess some people didn't get it, but it was it was it was kind of it had that goofy oddball sound to it. That's what I was kind of going for for the characters, you know. Yeah, definitely. You can definitely hear that in like the first uh, Spiral Mountain level that it sort of like epitomises them perfectly. To completely flip the switch, Goldeneye was one of the classics up there with Banjo. Um, was it daunting to work with such an iconic IP? No, it was fantastic fun. Like when I first got there, my first job was to convert Dave Wise's uh, music from the Donkey Kong Country 2's Diddy Kong's Quest to work on the original Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And then um, I did that for about, I got there October 95. I did that for a couple of, maybe a month or so. And then Graham Norgate, who was also there, was working on Goldeneye and Blast Corps at the same time. And said, well, look, I'm getting really busy on Blast Corps. Do you mind taking over Goldeneye? And I was like, you're joking, right? So, so it was like it was agreed that I would do the Game Boy game in the morning and work on Goldeneye in the afternoon. Wow. So at my age, uh, you know, uh, when I was a kid, like the biggest, the biggest moves of the year were always the, when Bond movie came out. It was a big event. Like, it was always the most spectacular, the best music, the best everything, right? <laughs> For me to get to work on a Bond game was just incredible. Wow. So you know, I couldn't believe I got the chance to do it. And also we had the rights to the Monty Norman theme, the very famous James Bond theme, yeah. which a lot of times he's, he's a very litigious guy in Monty Norman. He doesn't like handing out stuff like that. So we got to use the theme, which was amazing. So and also I had, I had the, uh, at the time, I had the double CD set of uh, all the Bond pop tunes that precede the movies. Um, so I listened to those over and over again, but I knew them all anyway. Yeah, yeah. And so I just 
bits out of those, picked bits out of the Monty Norman theme, stuck it all together, and just, just, you know, came up with what I thought was a Bond thing. But like I say, it was my very, my very, that was my very first N64 game, so I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, so, you know, to get to do that, and Graham Norgate, of course, we did, we probably did about half each of the music on that game, because Graham, I, I got halfway through it, and then I got, then I got taken off the game to start Banty Kazooie, our dream, and then Graham came back to finish it off, and he did the sound effects too. Oh, yeah. So, yes, yeah, so me and Graham did it together. Robin Beanland did one tune, he did the, the, the elevator music. Oh. Um, that kind of, kind of tune. So, yeah, so, you know, for me to do Bond was absolutely great. I just had such, it was such a great thing to do it, and to think of, just to get to play with that melody was like, so special. So, last question. What do you want to do or work on on Games Next? I just want to work, really. So I guess that's it, really. I'm happy to do anything. I mean, I do like... It's nice to work on a variety of things. I've got I've, had to, I've got to work on, like, you know, Kings of Amalur Reckoning, which is a very dark RPG, and Civilization games, and Ukulele, and, you know, and the Praxis thing, and Mario Rabbids over the last two or three years have been brilliant. You know, so it's... You know, to get to work on Mario is pretty amazing for me. To think back in, when I started in 1995, someone told me you work in a Mario game, I just said they were crazy, you know. Yeah. Um, to, to get to that point, ridiculous, really. So, I'm happy to work on anything, I really am. Um, I'm just happy to be employed, really. If people want to employ me, that's great. <laughs> uh, I would really like to do some movies, so I have done a little bit of that now. So, um, I've just done a, a movie called The Wrong Rock, which is a little mini short animation, which is very high quality. Uh, it's by the guys who used to work at Rare called Mike Kaywood, who used to who worked on Cameo and Elements of Power, and some of those games. So uh, he's just got, he's, he works for Hollywood now as a kind of a previous guy, um, but he did his own little animation. That's, that'll be out soon. Um, so I'd like to do some movie stuff, you know. But I mean, I'm, I just want to write music, right? I, I really enjoy writing music. I mean, you know, sometimes I think it's a bit like pulling teeth for me, um, but I do. Uh, that's what I do, right? I mean, I'm not like I haven't really done enough lot since June, so being I finished the Donkey Kong Country add-on to um, the Mario game, oh, yeah. the DLC. Sort of like June-ish. I've done little bits and pieces from June until now. Nothing major. So I'm, I feel like I needed a rest because I worked super hard over the last two or three years. And the Mario game was massive undertaking. Yeah, no um, I think I feel like I'm ready to go again now. So I'm, I think I'm hoping... Well, I think I'm, I'm, I know what I'm going to be doing next, but I can't tell you, of course. Um, so <laughs> the, so I think I'm going to get started on that thing, I, was, I guess, in the next month or so, probably. Oh, wow. It took me a little while to get all that done. Uh, so yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, you know, I just want to, I want to work. Right? I, I enjoy doing it. It's a great thing to do. I'm, I'm super fortunate. I've been able to do it over the last twenty three years. I can't believe I managed it really. Um, you know, so yeah, that's it. I just want to get on with it. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for taking time out of your day to come talk to us. I am flabbergasted that I got the chance to speak with you because, again, you made my childhood. So thank you very, very much, Grant. Yeah. It's a at all. I'm, I'm happy you asked me. Thank you very much. Grant Kokop there, the composer for Millie's Childhood. Yeah, basically. I uh, I cried <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> you definitely screamed. Yeah. <laughs> but I was I was uh, hyperventilating for a little bit afterwards. Cringy just was like, do you want some water? I'm like, yes. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I brought in the mug afterwards. Because <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I was just like kind of hovering around my room. Like if in the video recording, you can see me like going into the bathroom yeah. while you're recording. Yeah. And then I come back and you finish and I'm just hanging on my laptop. I was like, was that good? And you're just like, <gasps> yeah, which is, I'm, I think in this instance, a fair response. Yeah, um, it, was, it was pretty fair. That was only part of the full interview. The full interview you can find on our website. Yes, and uh, you can find it on Spotify too. iTunes and Spotify, Z Games, Z-E-D Games. There's a space between those two words. Please remember that. 
honestly. But it's a full like 22, 25 minute interview and it was, yeah. it was wow. you got into a lot of details. Yeah, I did. And the good thing was is that um, I just had to ask a couple of questions, mm. just, a, just a couple of minor questions and he just spilled his guts and I loved it <laughs> because I was just just eating it up I was like yes tell me more about Banjo so good <laughs> I love it give me the deep law grant <laughs> my god it was so good thank you so much if you're listening if you're not I still love you do we love you Grant <laughs> you're hanging out on Zed Games with Jack Caitlin Millie and Ray g'day Ray back yes Back to review a game that we really should have reviewed already. Mm. Well, the reason that we didn't review it is because there are numerous conflicts of interest. There are a few. And I've heard that you've let journalistic standards slide a little bit in the uh, intervening time since I've been away. Oh, you just got roasted. I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have been doing a good... from? Let's go. Very good job. Fight, let's go. Thank you. Three against one, mate. It's one of, I feel like, the biggest profile releases in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, We've had, like, we've seen a a lot of studios close up in Mm. the last decade or so. And so having a game of this size released is a bit of a rarity, unfortunately. Uh, But Hand of Fate 2 is a bit of a mishmash of different genres, but essentially is a tabletop card building game. But it's also... A game with real-time action battle. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So you're face-to-face with a guy called The Dealer. Mm. And you'll remember him from Hand of Fate 1, except he's got more scars this time. And he's been through some stuff. Like any dealer on the Cleveland line. Yeah. So it's actually been 100 years since the end of the first game. Oh. Uh, Oh, my God. The first game I enjoyed immensely. It was good, but it felt a little bit incomplete. Right, okay. Um, Good concept, very solid concept, but uh, it was just a little light on the features. The combat was a little bit... Uh, repetitive and janky right and it was just a a bit too grindy Hmm. but Hand of Fate 2 is definitely the ultimate realization of the concept from the first game and it's a very complete very feature rich game and um, they've really hit a home run with it Uh, it was released originally uh, about a year ago now for the Hmm. PC but we've seen console releases most recently with the Switch and also PS4 and Xbox One that's right they are PS4 Pro and Xbox One X enhanced I believe as well yeah yeah. yeah. so it's a bit old and it is uh, like a big notable title that we missed on the Mm. show and just uh, putting out some like uh, like for people who are interested in journalistic integrity full disclosure uh, I am in the credits oh okay special thanks Kickstarter yeah no, I helped out with some right. like odds and ends on the Facebook page or something. Oh, okay, but uh, not with yeah. the game itself. Yeah, so I'll just let you know that, like, you know, I am kind of peripherally involved okay. with a few <laughs> of the people there. So, you know, just I'm going to try and review this game as objectively as objectively as as I can. Right, but just you know. Don't come after me on the internet with your <laughs> your burning books and all that. Give me give me that good five minute objective journalistic standard take, yeah. Ray. Yeah. So uh, it's a card game. You build decks based on cards that you unlock through gameplay. Uh, these cards can be encounter cards. They'll be like people like in houses that you have to rescue that have been burning. There's uh, there's bridges that have bandits uh, on them. Uh, there's like fairies in the in the forest it's and very, all sorts of it's things it's an like unapologetically that. role-playing game yeah yeah and these cards are laid out and your little token gets moved 
along these encounter cards mm. and as they get turned over you 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 go into the encounter and it's either like a card based game where you sort of reveal uh overturned cards to, to see what happens or there's ro- uh rolling of the dice to see what happens or there's like a little pendulum mini game where you have to sort of yep. time it at the same time uh to like get objectives and stuff uh but there's also combat and this is uh, where the game sort of shifts gears and you enter into this combat landscape. And it turns into like a kind of action-y Batman Arkham kind of... Uh, yeah, it does look that way. Yeah. Game. So yeah. you mentioned the first game. It felt kind of janky, kind of incomplete. As far as the second game goes, what sort of changes ha- have been made to accommodate for hopefully a better game? Yeah, the combat is, is far richer and far deeper. Right. It feels better. There's a lot more moves. You can block, you can uh, parry, you can counterattack. Mm. And you've got new companions that assist you in combat. Like there's a bard who will uh, blast people with this magical music. Uh, there's a, a wizard, a barbarian, things that help you. And there's a greater variety of enemies as well. And they range from, like, skeleton hordes to ogres to giant frost demons and little goblins that come and get your ankles. Does it ever come across as, like, a little bit too, like, bog-standard fantasy? Uh, The setting is is pretty much generic fantasy, but it makes up for that because there isn't really a game like this out there. It's unique in that mix. It's very unique. Like, if you want a game like this which blends action RPG mechanics with... Uh, like talisman-like board game mm. or Dungeons and Dragons style gameplay. Like, like there, there yeah. really isn't anything like that out there, and this is what what this game really nails. Yeah, mm. um, it does borrow a lot from other existing card games like uh, Magic: The Gathering, a little bit from Dungeons and Dragons, and mm. anyone who's played FTL: Fast and Light will recognize some of the key sort of card-based event mechanics here. Right. Uh, but largely, there's nothing like it out there. So you've been playing it on PC. I've been playing it on PC. Cool. Uh, but I've heard on good authority that it's uh, very good on the Switch. Uh, so if you're looking for a cool, Platform of choice. cool little uh, game for the Switch, it's good. Um, it is very text-heavy, so yeah. all of the encounters are told through text. The writing is, is pretty good. Good. A little bit humorous to make up for the sort of grim atmosphere. Yeah, ho- hopefully it would be. And um, the dealer is also cool. He's he's the one who's always present with you. You're face-to-face with him. He's laying out the cards. And sometimes he'll like poke fun at you make fun of choices you make like he'll recognize little things and he'll taunt you when things go wrong i need more of that like, in my yeah. life yeah. oh like, yeah true <laughs> it sounds like kind off. of making fun of yeah. you yeah, as a player you as a player yeah, yeah. like oh it's like Rough. you're playing like Rough. uh dungeons and dragons with this really creepy old guy <laughs> Ew. <who's laughs> not creepy in like a predatory way but a, like it's a resounding like he's like a thousand years old and he's got a oh. he's got a mask on and he's obvi- he could probably kill you with magic and he's any mysterious point. as hell great but he's, he's letting you live so he can play play games with you oh good it's pretty fun i love fun. being someone's toy <laughs> Look, you did play off, so. Uh, Hand of Fate 2 is available now on PC, uh, Xbox One, PS4, and Switch. You reckon go for it? Yes. Mm. Switch. Beautiful. That does bring us to the end of the show for this week. Thanks so much for hanging out. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ZGamesAU. And uh, on iTunes and Spotify as well, because, hey, we post bonus stuff like that. Full interview with Grant Coco. Yeah, please check it out. It's the best thing ever. On iTunes and Spotify. Thanks so much for hanging out, guys. See you later. Thanks, guys. Bye.